Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the latest podcast episode. It's your host, Terry Knight, and I have the talented, amazing Isabel Guarino. Uh, thank you so much for spending the time to come on my podcast to talk about your specialization and just how you're killing it in the space. Um, I find it fascinating what you're doing, and I want to learn all about it. I'm pretty sure to, um, everyone on that's listening wants to hear about it as well. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Cool. So Isabel, just let everyone know who you are and let's kind of go from there, where you came from. Yeah. I'm Isabel Garino, the COO of Residential Assisted Living Academy. We teach and train real estate investors and entrepreneurs how to start, own, and operate their own residential assisted living homes for seniors. Awesome. Cool. So um, how did you get into that business? Well, it really started with my grandmother. She fell and broke her hip and, you know, the doctor called and was like, she can't go home alone. She needs 24 seven care and help with activities of daily living. And my family was like, oh my God, what do we do? Right? Like, does somebody quit their job and take care of her full time? Do we get in home care, which is insanely expensive? Or do we put her into a home, right? And as soon as you say it, you kind of feel icky, like, oh my God, we (laughs) promised we wouldn't, right? Like, this is terrible. Um, And she was in upstate New York at the time. And we went and we searched and searched and searched for something suitable for her. And honestly, I didn't want to leave my goldfish, let alone my grandmother at 99% of these homes. They smelled bad. They felt bad. The food was yucky. The care was subpar. And they were full with waiting lists, not to mention expensive. So we were living in Arizona at the time. And so we were like, you know what? A lot of old people live here. Let's go back to Arizona and see if there's something else. My dad had been a real estate investor for 40 years. And so he kind of stumbled into residential assisted living while searching for something for her. And he was like, wait, 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 wait. We're going to be paying five grand a month for her to live in the home. Or we could own the real estate, own the business, cash flow 10 grand a month, and she could live for free. So even though we had no idea what we were doing, he purchased the real estate and the business of an underperforming RAL with the intent to move her in. She passed before we could move her in and the transaction was closed, but we kind of fell in love with the industry along the way. And, you know, the ability to serve families and seniors in a way that isn't available in every market and in a way that you actually feel good about. You don't feel guilty about leaving your loved one there. You're like, oh, my God, I want to live here, you know, when I'm older. So um, we really kind of just fell in love with it. And it's been 10 years and three homes um, and trained thousands of people how to do this as well as invested in, I think, over 50 homes now. So it's been a whole lot of fun along the way. Awesome. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is so cool. R-A-L. How, oh my gosh. So what's the process of getting one started? Like, what do you have to do? Like, is it just like any other kind of real estate deal like you're doing or? Well, there's a, there's a whole lot of questions to answer before that, right? So first you got to determine what, what way you want to go about this, right? Some people like to do where they're buying land and building a custom home from the ground up. So if you're doing that, always your first step is demographic research, right? We want to be in the area where there's 50 to 70 year olds who are upper middle class making twice the median income who are typically homeowners. 
once we've designated that area, if you're going to buy land, it's looking for the land and starting that custom build. You need your carrying costs and setup costs, looking for your staff, marketing the home to fill it with residents. If you're going to buy a single family home, it's making sure that it's within, you know, the zoning restrictions, restrictions, the distance rules and all those things. So finding that home, how much renovation do you need to do to it to make it suitable for this? right? Getting the licensing and again, hiring, marketing, filling the home with seniors, all that good stuff. Third, there's 30,000 of these care homes that exist across our country today. So some people want to buy existing like we did with our Mm -hmm. first home. So you can buy the real estate, buy the business, you're up and running, cash flowing right away, but it's setting yourself up for success of how you're going to improve that home, continue to market, your staff may fall off. So figuring out how to work that out. Um, and get that sorted. And then fourth, some people don't have the capital to get started with this. And I always mm-hmm. encourage people to use other people's money, not your own. But if you want to be the least amount of capital involved, then you could lease a home to use for this. So there's companies or people who will get a home, retrofit it for residential assisted living and lease it to you so that you can operate the business in their home. And so all four of those have different price points, timelines, and all sorts of stuff involved But that demographic research and then determining which of the four routes you want to get started with is kind of the first steps. Oh, my gosh. A lot to it, huh? Um, you said you mentioned staffs, right? Um, how are you lo- locating the staff for this new IRL? Is it just do websites like Indeed? Is it professionals that have to be licensed? Like, what do you look for? So they are licensed. They are licensed through the state. You're going to hire a licensed administrator and licensed caregivers. And um, you can find them on LinkedIn, indeed, but also on Craigslist in targeted newspapers. 80% of this industry is run by immigrants, people from other countries who maybe they were a doctor or nurse where they came from. And when they came over, their credits didn't translate. And so, you know, now they're just looking for a job in the healthcare field, something that they're able to do, comfortable doing. So sometimes we'll do ads, you know, written in English in the local Filipino newspaper or Romanian newspaper or whatever that may look like in your area. But there's a lot of people who are licensed in this industry and they just have the heart for seniors. So finding them and training and retaining them is very, very important because if you want to be passive and more hands off in this, then your staff is key. Mm, okay, good to know. Um, how much can you make off of one I, uh, RAL um, once you get one established? Like, what's the potential? Yes. So, depending on where you are in the country, you're going to be able to, you're going to be allowed to have somewhere between six and 16 residents in the home. So, uh, some states like, let's say, New Jersey, Indiana, Illinois, Kansas, Texas, they all allow 15 or 16 residents. And some states like California only allow six. So, we'll mm. use 10 for easy math, right? And the <laughs> average cost in our country today is $4,500 per person. So, if you have 10 residents paying $4,500, that's 45000 coming in every single month as your gross. But you have expenses. You got to pay for staff, food, cable, internet, licensing, you know, activities, uh, liability insurance, all these different things that might run you 30 grand a month. In most parts of the country, we can still get a pretty nice home for like five grand a month. So that's leaving us with $10,000 of net profit each month or $120,000 a year. 
that would be a very, very average example. And like I said about the average homes, I didn't want to leave my goldfish, let alone my grandmother. So we definitely don't focus on average or below average. We're focusing on above average, beautiful luxury homes in really nice parts of town. So our students are seeing cash flow of sometimes fifteen, twenty, or $30,000 a month, depending on their rates and how many residents they're allowed to have. Oh, wow. Gotcha. Uh, what's so fascinating about this is because um, you can make a lot of cash flow if done right. But you mentioned about beautiful luxury homes, like, for instance, building one versus obtaining an existing, you know, uh, RAL. <laughs> Which one do you prefer? Is there what's the pros and cons, I would say, versus one or the other? I always tell people be open to opportunities because if you're going to do this, then go for it. So if an opportunity comes up to build, then build because you can get a perfectly suitable custom home exactly meant for this. And that's going to be very, very nice versus if you're buying uh, an existing home, you know, there's 10 residents living in it. You can't renovate the kitchen or the bathrooms. <laughs> like you, you can't really change much. You can mm -hmm. change light bulbs and paint the walls, but you know, you, people are living there and like, these are seniors. You don't want all that dust in their lungs, right? I'm renovating one of my bathrooms right now. And it's like dusty everywhere. And I'm like, Oh my God, we have to leave this house. Right. So it's not very safe to be renovating with the seniors there. You can do minor things or when someone passes, you could do that one room at a time. So it will take a lot longer and the house will be very mismatchy for a while. So if you're in an area where you're allowed to have 12 or more residents, I like building from the ground up because it's really hard to find a 10 plus <laughs> bedroom home in most mm -hmm. markets. So a custom build is really, really suitable for that. But if you're in a market where it's 10 or less, then using a regular single family converting is great. And there's really not huge issues with it. So it just really depends, but be open to opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Uh, you mentioned custom building if you had to do 10 or more residents. Um, how long on average have you seen it take from beginning to end to actually build a custom home? I noticed a lot of licensing, district rules, all that stuff involved, but what's like the average you've seen? So to build a single family home or a residential assisted living home, it's typically going to take you anywhere from 12 to 24 months, depending on your contractors and who you're working with. That's the regular timeline, no matter what, pretty much to build a home. So 12 to 24 mm. months. Gotcha. Cool. Um, as far as marketing, that's always important, right? For the RAL, depending on the demographic you look into before going, getting into it. Um, but what's the best way that yeah. you've seen to market? to make sure you can fill up the home. Yeah, there's so many different things that we encourage our students to do, right? From having Facebook pages and websites, brochures and business cards, making relationships with elder law attorneys, geriatric doctors and nurses, long-term care insurance agents, um, in-home placement agents, um, you know, the whole gambit of everybody, hospice, respite care, like these should all be your new best friends because they are marketing and referral sources for you, um, as well as having that online social presence is really important because what do you do when you need care for your loved one? You probably go to the internet and say, you know, assisted living in your area and that's what you're searching for. And whoever pops up, whoever has great reviews, that's who you're going to look into, whoever's in your price point, location, amenities, all those things. 
So you definitely want a web presence, but there's also an entire um, industry of people called placement agents. They're basically like realtors for assisted living. Um, when mom or dad falls and breaks their hip and the doctor says they can't go home alone, they pretty much go around and find out the family's wants and needs. What price point are you looking for? What location, what amenities, what you know suits what they're looking for? And either they will take them, the family, on tours of multiple homes. And if they choose your home, you owe that placement agent a half of the first month's rent or the full first month's rent, somewhere between 50 and 100%. But if that resident's going to stay for an average of three and a half years, I'd pay that five grand all day. <laughs> so it's a nice, fast, easy way to fill your home working with the placement agents. Um, but if you're doing your own efforts, and I highly encourage you to do all of these things, right? Being a part of the community, having those relationships, web presence, um, physical brochures, business cards, everything to go pass out to the local pastors and, and whoever in your community that deals with seniors, right? But also paying for speed by working with people like placement agents. That's amazing. That's so cool. Um, like to me, cause we don't hear enough about assisted living. Like, why do you think that is as far as getting into this industry and, and helping the elderly like we should? Well, I mean, it depends in what market you're in. I'm in my world. <laughs> we hear about it every day, right? Mm -hmm. So it depends yeah. what you're doing, but I also think it's um, an ignorance thing. I think it's an age thing, right? When you're under 50 years old, why would you be thinking about seniors and older people and what's going to happen to you when you age, right? Mm -hmm. But once you hit that 50 to 70 mark and your parents are probably 70 to 90, right? And then they start to need like, oh my gosh, they're going to need something. It starts to become really, really important to you. What options are available, how much it's going to cost. Um, so we call it the silver tsunami because to be honest, the baby boomers, they're not in assisted living yet. It's the silent generation. There's 44 million of them. There's 76 million baby boomers. And we're currently in today's market, 1.3 million beds short. But we're about to almost double the amounts of seniors who need home care and assistance. And the NIC is projecting we're only building 50,000 beds per year. So this is a massive crisis for our world, our country, and potentially your family if you have anybody who's older. But also, it's a huge opportunity for people who have their eyes open and are paying attention to following the money. The money is the baby boomers. They've been driving our economy for the last 70 plus years, and this is their final wave goodbye, right? So this it, people talk about the greatest transfer of wealth from you know baby boomers to Gen X or millennials. Yeah, right. If you need assisted living for an average of three and a half years, your money's not going from one generation to another. It's going from one generation to assisted living. Whatever is left over will then go to them. So it, it's it's time for younger people to wake up and start paying attention. But I think it's just age, ignorance, people just being like, you know, well, I'm not old yet. Why would I be thinking of this? But as soon as it affects mm -hmm. you, it affects you. And mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that it's not like, oh, I think grandma needs care soon. It's like grandma needs a home within the next 48 hours. Like, what are we going to do? It's like an immediate crisis. And so once you deal with it once, you won't forget that experience. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, that, that's just really wild. $1.3 million or 1.3 million short. Uh, so there's a lot of opportunities out mm -hmm. there. Um, huge. Just a huge. I mean, 
Oh my gosh, that's very huge. Um, I didn't even think it was that much, to be honest. Um, but I'm not surprised. Just to recap a little before that, though, the insurance part. How do you guys get paid? Like, how does the RAL work as far as payments? Is it do the insurance? Is it do the families or combination of both? Like, how how does the payment structure works with paying for the elderly at your about, locations? Yeah. Yeah. About 10% of the population in America today has long-term care insurance. So if a senior has it, that's amazing and it won't cost the family anything, right? The insurance agency works basically directly with us and that's who we bill and that's who we get paid through, but only 10% of people have it. So it's quite rare. Most seniors are relying on their own cash savings, IRA investment, or they're going to sell their physical home and use that capital to pay for their care needs. And of course, there's our very, very large category of seniors who say, I'm going to let my kids figure it out right? I took care of them. It's their turn to take care of me. And so the burden oftentimes falls to the adult children who we call daughter Judy or son Bob. They're the Mm -hmm. ones typically footing the bill for this. And, you know, five, six, seven grand a month. uh, It it sounds like a lot, but if you think about how much it costs us to live, right? Our home, your mortgage, right? If you had a private chef, you had someone wiping your bum and bathing you and doing your laundry, your own private bedroom, private bathroom, cable, electricity, activities. I mean, if I added that all up in my life, it's way more than five grand, right? So it's actually not that much when you're comparing lifestyle to lifestyle, but to have it added on to an adult child, right? Who's also potentially has their kids that they're paying for maybe in school or with a nanny or daycare or any situation. And that's why they're called the sandwich generation where they have to take care of those younger than them and those older than them. And so it's a really important conversation to have with your family members, especially if you are you know, listening right now and you're like, oh, dang, I am the responsible one or the wealthy one in my family. And I don't know what my parents or grandparents plan is. And if they're thinking of coming to me, yikes, I, I don't know what I would do you know, opening one of these care homes, it could be obviously a solution to cash flow, but also a solution for you or your loved ones to ever live in it if you guys ever need an assistance. So it's kind of like a little retirement plan there for your family. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's a good point, because I don't even have that conversation, but <laughs> I think everyone should. Um, yes. You mentioned you've been in the industry for 10 years, right? This whole part of this, this whole little niche. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest um, what was the most biggest thing that you learned in those 10 years that you've been in it so far that you can take away and, and let people know about? You know, I think the emotionality of all of it, right? Like a lot of people come into this as an investment strategy and they're thinking about the cash flow. But our company motto is to do good and do well because there is a lot of cash flow, but the impact that you're having on these seniors and their families and the caregivers and the administrators and everybody involved is so, so major. And I think that um, sometimes people forget how much emotions are involved um, when you have to put your loved one, you know, in somebody else's care. And there's just so many things to consider when you're dealing with these families and the seniors and just remembering like this is such a important and sentimental time of life for them. And you want to make sure that they're having a beautiful send off to the next life. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And that, you know, they're being uh, 
treated with grace and dignity and love and care. And so I'm not working in the homes, right? I just own the real estate, own the business, but I want to make sure I'm hiring staff who understands how important this time is in the family's life and the senior's life and is being really intentional about um, the quality care that they're providing. Cool. Yeah, well said. Uh, you mentioned 1.3 million short. Um, what's the future holding for assistant living, you think, in the next five to 10 years? What's your outlook on that? I think we're going to see, yeah, a lot more large facilities, small facilities, a lot of things popping up. I'm interested to see how technology is going to be playing a role. Um, I've seen, you know, fun little robots being built overseas, right, that are supposedly going to be caregivers for in-home care. I know I mentioned that earlier and how expensive that can be, getting a caregiver to come one-on-one and live with you 24-7. The average rate is about $27 an hour. So if you need 24-7 care times $27 an hour times 30 days in a month, that's $19,000 a month. So it's not really feasible for most Americans, you know, plus the mortgage, lease, activities, medication, food. We're talking 20, 25 grand to stay at home um, and not go into a a RAL home or a facility. So, you know, I think we're going to see a whole big push and trend for um, smaller homes. COVID had a huge impact on our industry, meaning that 97% of cases were in large facilities. 3% were in RAL homes. Um, And at the big box conventions, right, for a long time, they treated us like we were chump change, like we were small, we were we were nobody in the industry. And then as soon as COVID happened, they were like, Oh, my God, how do we become more like you? Like people are ripping their loved ones out of our homes, begging to come into your homes. We want a piece of that, right? And the reality is that the quality of care is just so, so different in those large facilities. So I think we're going to see a huge push for people saying this is not okay. A 20 senior to one caregiver ratio is not okay. And I hope that more families are going to stand up to that and basically say no, and that RALs will become the new future wave. Like I see it kind of Airbnb. It it took (laughs) over hotels and hotels got pissed along the way. Right. But I hope that there's not as much pushback um, legally, right, from the states and and the cities to say, like, no, don't do this here. But, you know, I think we're going to see a whole lot of of push towards smaller home technology playing a role and people realizing the care in the large facilities is just not adequate enough and really fighting for their loved ones to have higher, better quality care. Cool. Well said. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, it's very needed in this industry. Um, well, Isabel, what what are your plans for the rest of the year? Like, do you have any like goals you want to accomplish before the end of 2023? Well, we've got our RAL National Convention coming up September 7 through 9. And so I'm excited for that. That's a big event we host annually where we celebrate all of the care home owners who want to come. It's an open invite to anybody in or looking to get into the industry We give awards to the people who opened homes that year. And so I'm looking forward to that. We have two more um, three-day fast track trainings, one in October and one in December. And that's where we teach and train people how to do this step-by-step. So I'm excited to be um, at those events and and be guiding people to their journey and doing good and doing well Um, and just keeping our homes, you know, going smooth and going well. And personally, I'm expecting a baby in December. So I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) 
<laughs> awesome. Congrats. Um, is it your first baby or how many? My first. Yeah. Your first. Uh, boy or girl? It's a boy. It's a boy. Awesome. Congrats. Um, I'm a new father myself, 10 months. So I praise all you ladies out there that go through pregnancy from beginning to end and just the caring of the child. It, it's a lot of work, but you guys are like the super big deal. You guys are super women out there. Y'all, y'all do everything. Well, so I got to give you guys flowers. You <laughs> awesome. That's so cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Isabel, you're amazing. I mean, you're doing so much. Um, do you offer any one-on-one coaching? Like what's the best way for someone to reach out to you if they want to talk to you or get more insights, whether it's coaching one-on-one or, or learning about your, your courses and, and fast track boot camps you got going on? Yeah. RAL101.com is the best place to schedule a call with me or one of the team members to kind of get started and see what the best options um, for anybody who wants to learn are. We've got free books, free webinars. We're on social media on everything, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, at RAL Academy. Um, But yeah, definitely reach out, connect. We have those two trainings left this year. We've got eight events set for 2024. We also have an online training program that you can take from the comfort of your own home whenever you'd like. Um, And we just love teaching people who have the heart to do this and are ready to really make an impact. So RAL101.com is how you can connect. Awesome. You guys heard it first. Check out that website. Um, if you have any questions, let me know. I'll divert you over to the website or Isabel herself. Um, Isabel, um, thank you for coming on. Um, I always like to ask this one question for guests, right? Um, it's about um, what keeps you going, right? What keeps you going when you every day when you want to give up? When you were starting this out and even till now, like what? how does that work for you? I love that question. You know, (laughs) I shared in the beginning that it started with my grandmother. um, Mm -hmm. And I I worked in this business for eight years alongside my father. He passed in 2021. um, And he was, you know, the face and and the CEO, the founder, the everything behind our business. And I was just his behind the scenes girl. Um, And when he passed, it was kind of that situation where it's like, okay, do we shut down? Right? Like, uh, he, he was the face. It's like the Geico lizard died. What does Geico do? Right. <laughs> and so it was one of those situations. And so, um, you know, my life drastically changed over the last two years, stepping in and, and stepping up for our family and for our business and continuing to share this message of residential assisted living, but it's been such a beautiful journey. And so every day, definitely my dad and living in his legacy, um, is what pushes me forward. And every time I'm scared of jumping on stage or a podcast or doing anything and talking to people about this, I always think of him um, and and just try to live in honor of of him and what he stood for. And I'm very blessed to be able to carry it on and just be a small part of people's journey to success. Oh, that's so amazing. I'm sorry to hear about your dad. Um, may you rest in peace. But um, I think you've done an amazing job. You're doing amazing, especially like, I don't know, I feel like women like you need to help out other women to be successful just like you because i like to see you guys on stages podcasts and just killing it blowing it up and also having an impact um so i'm very happy to see that you're doing that and you're going to continue to thrive like you're going to kill it isabel so um, (laughs) you're welcome 
Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. I mean, I just want to talk to Isabel so she can give her 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 beans about her amazing business and her her background on it. Um, if you have any questions, please reach out. And um, until the next episode, peace out. Thank you, Isabel. <laughs> Thank you. All right.